Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of It Starts With Attraction. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing ItStartsWithAttraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to ItStartsWithAttraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. This week on It Starts With Attraction. Today we're talking about communication with Dave Delaney. He's the founder of futureforth.com. He is an author, corporate trainer, executive consultant, host of his own podcast called The Nice Podcast, and a keynote speaker who is known as a communication connoisseur. So he's worked with several companies helping the companies implement better communication styles and practices into the organization. And today, while we do use several examples in the business world about communication, we really take a second to apply those to relationships. And I believe that good relationships are good relationships, whether they're good at work or good at home. You need to focus on developing great communication in both of these areas. So a lot of great takeaways from today's episode, and I have some really great key takeaways that you're going to want to listen to as well. Let's dive into today's conversation with Dave Delaney. There's a process to falling in love, and it starts with attraction. Join Kimberly Beam Holmes and her special guests as they discuss how to become the most attractive you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as we refer to it, working on your pies. We'll teach you how to have better relationships and become more attractive to others, and maybe more importantly, to yourself. It starts with attraction, and it starts now. Dave, I'm really excited to talk to you today about communication. And even in our short pre-talk that we had right before pressing record, I'm already really excited and feel like I'm going to have a lot of questions to ask you because you you talk a lot about communication. You said you do a lot of workshops around it. You have your own podcast where you talk to leaders and aspiring business people about the importance of communication and um, you know it's important. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, everything is affected by poor communication. So, uh, so it's not pretty when communication mm. is, uh, is not working the way it's supposed to. When people talk about, you know, you need to communicate more or, and so I, I automatically, when I said that, I thought of two examples. I thought of an example in the business realm and I thought of an example in my marriage where in both instances, I felt like I communicated beautifully. Yeah. But for yeah. whatever reason, the receiving party was like, you did not tell me that. You need to work on communication. You need to X, Y, Z. So so let's break this down. When we talk about what is good or effective communication, what does that right. actually look like? Um, when communication works, both parties <clears> – sorry, pardon me uh, – both parties uh, – one party, you know, sends the information, but the other party uh, uh, receives that information, but also retains it and acts upon it, does something with that that information, whether it's just reply or whether it's, you know, don't forget to pick up the kids from school or what. <laughs> um, so there has to be action 
to the other side of communication in order to make it work, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, so can you give an example of, is there always action on the other side of communication? Like if I say, if I were to say to my husband that and communicate with him that he hurt my feelings when he said something a certain way, then yeah. is it simply an I'm sorry that comes from the other side or is it a change in behavior that is the action that comes from the other side to know that he heard me? I th would hope both. Um, so certainly an apology right. Uh, right. after, you know, something like that. Um, but when we take the information that we receive, the feedback we receive and we act upon it, um, and, and the other party, in this case, you see that your husband has made changes based on your feedback that goes a long way. And it's the same thing when I work with, you know, organizations and I teach leaders to communicate more effectively. A lot of businesses have an op, have a, have a way to allow, uh, their team members to provide feedback, whether it's a box, like an anonymous feedback box, whether it's, some sort of web portal or something like that. But there's nothing more frustrating than providing feedback as an employee and then nothing happening. You're, you're better off never have as, having asked for the feedback if you're not prepared to do anything with that feedback. And so, um, so that's a big part of, of the nice methodology, this nice method framework that I've developed uh, at Future Forth. So, yeah. So uh, I have a question about what you just said, but first let's talk about what is the NICE methodology and and that framework, just an overview of kind of, and is it a communication framework? Is that what you're teaching people? Yeah. So I work with organizations to improve employee retention. Um, communication and culture are the are the results of this as well, or, or and employee retention is a result of it as well. So the NICE method breaks into three sections. There's sort of three tiers of the NICE method. Um, the first is to hear your team. So to hear your people. Um, part of hearing your people includes providing feedback and providing recognition back to some of the what we were just talking about. The second part is avoiding the wrecks, which means finding ways to cure poor communication and stopping problems from happening in the first place. Um, and Part of that is also uh, comes from fear of managers and fear of leaders. So to be, you know, fear dash less um, as a as a leader. And the third uh, tier of it is life outside the walls. And this is uh, especially important in bringing your team together to build friendships at work, to build relationships at work, um, and using ways to bring your team together uh, outside of the walls, meaning. Not, it's not always, even when we're all working in the same office together, it's not always work, 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 work. There should be things that you're doing to bring each other, to bring teams together, to build relationships. And some of that includes philanthropy. Some of it includes like book clubs and things like that. So there's a bunch of different things that I do with organizations based on what their needs are, but it's mainly those three things. So hear your team, avoid the wrecks, and then life outside the walls. And that's sort of the, the three tiers or the three pillars of the NICE method. Um, I created a graphic at futureforth.com that you can actually see uh, that illustrates it and then breaks it down to subsections as well. And then 
I will also add that um, I have a, a mini ebook I wrote uh, called The Nice Method, which um, your listeners can get for free uh, if they go to nicemethod.us or .us oh, awesome. um, and use the coupon code ISWA and you'll get that. I, th- I think it's like 19 or 20 bucks, but you'll get it for free if you uh, download it from there. Yes, that's awesome. Thank you. We'll be sure to put the link to that along with the discount code reminder in the in the show notes for people. But it's ISWA for it starts with attraction, which is easy to remember. Okay, yeah. so let's start with this first one, the hear your people. And again, mm-hmm. we can view this in terms of a company, but we can also view this in terms of maybe a family unit. So one of the things you said earlier that I said, I want to come back and ask you about that. And I was thinking about this in terms of work, but I think it yes. could also apply with kids. So when you hear feedback of something, but it's not something you want to change, you're doing it that way for a reason, but the people, and, and a, a great example of this is with kids, right? Um, mm. You know, my daughter's only eight. Thankfully, a lot of her friends don't have cell phones, but if they started getting cell phones and she's, her feedback, so to say, would be, it's not fair that I don't have a cell phone. I want a cell phone. It's like, Great. Like, glad you feel that way. Ain't going to happen. It's not something right. I'm willing to change because there's a greater reason behind yeah. my decision on that. So how, but people can stay frustrated there if they feel like they're wanting something to change to be happier, but the other person's not willing to budge. Doesn't that kind of create a gridlock? It does, but there has to be rules, right? There has to be rules in an organization, uh, in a family unit. You know, you know, there has to be rules. Otherwise, it's just anarchy and everybody's doing whatever the heck they want and things are not going to work uh, well that right. way. Um, as a leader of an organization, you know, you're setting the the foundation of the of the organization based on the different, you know, for lack of another r- word, but like rules in place to, ma- you know, standard operating procedures and things like that. For a reason, mm-hmm. you bring that experience, you know, you know, if it's your company, well, you, you've experienced it and your maybe junior team members have to, who are just on being onboarded, have to learn what this is. Now, onboarding is an important part of all this because you're communicating that to them so they understand what these rules are. Mm. In the case of a family, my, my kids are now 16 and 17, so I've gone through this, um, at mm-hmm. at some point, um, and if you're listening effectively um, and slowing down your response, it gives you time to, as a leader or a parent, to consider things rather than my way or the highway or my roof, my rules or, you know, anything like that. And where yeah. I would absolutely be completely on board with you and not giving an eight-year-old a phone Um when that eight-year-old turns 13 and all of their friends do have phones and, uh, um, mm. well, I won't talk about the hormone part. God help us. Uh, but um, <laughs> there comes a point, like for me personally at that age, yeah. I didn't want my – I don't. I still don't want my kids really with uh, phones like, you know, social media and all that stuff. But there comes a point when that's the way people communicate now and – for me to, you know, mm. to want to, to close them off from that is, is really not fair. Um, and, uh, so, you know, mm. it's, it's part of, but again, it means slowing down 
rather than no. Slowing down enough to allow that person to feel heard and feel empowered that you actually listened to them. You actually considered what it was. Um, I have an exercise that I do Mm. called nice and, which um, I I have a background uh, uh, among other things. I have a background in improv comedy uh, studied with second city in Toronto. And I've performed improv many, many times over the years. And, and I teach improv plays a part in some of the communication skills that I teach organizations uh, like presentation skills and things like that. Um, And I took yes. And which is this rule in improv and made it nice and Mm. for the work that I do, because in an organization and maybe in a family, um, you can't say yes. And to everything you can't accept everything, but you can use nice and to allow the person to feel empowered and, and heard. And then you can build upon that, which makes them feel accepted as well. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. And the other thing it made me think of as you were talking about this, when you slow down, when you actually take the time to listen and help them to feel heard, this is the part I I always struggle with. It's not necessarily that you have to end up doing what they want you to do, but that they at least know that they were a valued part of the consideration process. Absolutely. Yeah. And, And an example of this that I use in, uh, you know, I have keynote presentations that I deliver about this all in this nice method framework, um, where I was working for a company a million years ago and the, the CEO allowed, uh, uh, team members to come in, kind of sit with the C-suite and, and pitch an idea for a product. And I had an idea. So I thought, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And I, I was really nervous and I was well prepared and all that stuff. And, uh, when it came my turn, like picture, like, uh, picture, um, uh, not, um, what's the show? Not, I, for some reason, I keep, I've been living in the U.S. for 16 years. I should know the American name, which is Shark Tank. Uh, in Canada, it's called Dragon's Den, which is why I was for some reason doing that. But picture that kind of, you know, boiler room, intense, situation where you're pitching like a a line of people. It was sort of like that. And I pitched this idea and he said, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard in my life. And you can imagine how many more ideas I shared while I worked there uh, and how I felt in that situation. None. Now, Mm -hmm. had he Mm -hmm. used nice and and so this is what I teach and, and wrote about in the book mm-hmm. as well is using nice. And so if you lead with acceptance and empathy, um, you can use nice. And so for example, let's say, let's just play it out. So just like, try like think through scenarios where instead of saying that's the stupidest idea, you could say nice and blank, even if it is the stupidest idea, what, what, what would you say if you were the boss? <laughs> just start with saying nice and, and then, Fill in the blank. That is a. Oh, I start with saying nice, like the actual word yeah, nice. Nice and those two words. So if I said, okay. I've got this, got I've got this idea, and you, right. you think it's not a good idea, instead of saying that's a stupid idea, idea. you could say nice and. Got it. Okay. Nice, nice. And have you given consideration about how that may affect this? other thing over here, if that were to be done. Yes. See, that's perfect. That's a great thing to do, right? Because now you're slowing yourself down instead of saying, no, 
right? Or you're stupid or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're slowing it down to allow me to, right. and, and I, and if, and by doing that, I can reply and say, yes, I have done that research and here's what I found. And that's when you can think, whoa, okay, mm-hmm. hold on. Right. Some other examples that uh, audience members and team members give me sometimes would be like, nice. And let's talk to sales to see if this is a viable idea that our customers are asking for. Or nice. And let's talk to customer service and mm-hmm. see if this, uh, this solves a problem that our customers are having. So by leading with acceptance mm-hmm. and empathy and using the nice method and leading and using nice and, um, uh, it's incredible because it slows you down. Again, you're not going to throw millions of dollars into R&D for a crazy idea. But another example is somebody once right. said, uh, and I like this, is uh, nice. And let's meet after the meeting over coffee and talk through the idea a little bit more so I can understand fully what you're saying. But when you do this and you lead with mm, acceptance and yeah. you use nice and you make that team member feel heard, you make them feel empowered. And again, it may not come to fruition and that's okay, but that makes that person feel confident to share other ideas. And companies pivot all the time. They add a new product or a new service and suddenly the company is that. Um, Nintendo started as a card game. Sony started as a rice cooker company, mm. right? So these companies, you know, th- this is how pivots happen and this is how companies evolve and uh, innovation occurs all from from leading with acceptance this way. Yeah, I love that. And really applicable in relationships as well. When you hear something that you're like, this is a terrible idea from my husband or my wife or my significant yeah. other, instead of just saying, are you an idiot? Right. <laughs> right. Nice. And how are we going to afford that? <laughs> right. Yes, <laughs> exactly. About, you know, all these things. So I, I love that. Yeah. yeah. I love that. So avoid the wrecks. Talk, uh, explain that one one more time. So you're listening, you're being proactive and getting feedback. And then the avoid the wrecks part of the nice method has to do with what? Um, a big part of it is fear. So people don't quit jobs. They mm-hmm. quit bad managers or, or, or bad owners, bad leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a, a talk I do, um, called radical retention. And I had somebody once pull me aside, actually not one person, but multiple people lined up after the presentation. Usually when I do these presentations, I get a lot of audience engagement and, and questions and things. And a lot of private one-on-ones after. And when I talked about this and the NICE method in this presentation, I had a line of people and each person, not all of them, but almost all of them had horror stories about the terrible managers they worked for and why they quit their jobs ultimately because of those bad managers. Um, And so a big goal of mine and I quit, I've quit a job because management, my, the manager was terrible. I've had great ones as well that I've learned a lot from, but I've had some bad ones too. One situation, which I won't get into, which is a bit of a horror story, but it was just a nightmare. And with this, this, these couple managers and, um, part of my goal with the nice method, obviously is to teach leaders to improve how they lead. Um, because they become nicer mm-hmm. and that leads to retaining talent, which saves the company 
thousands and thousands of dollars. Like it costs six to nine months, a person's salary to replace that person when they quit. So, mm -hmm. so like a $60,000 employee costs between 30 to 45,000 to replace. And you just do the math based on that. Um, and if you can't do math, cause I'm not great at it. Uh, I have a calculator at futurefort.com <laughs> right on the website, right on the homepage where you could punch in a salary and it will spit out. This is based off the Society for yeah. Human Resources Management, SHRM. It's based off their calculations, but it will show you how much it will cost to replace somebody on your team. Um, so getting back to your question about avoiding mm -hmm. the wrecks, a big part of wrecks are caused by fear of management. And if you have, um, by my experiences, I, I not only want to save a company money and, and teach their leadership to be kinder and to be better and to communicate better. But I mean, I also, my like secret side thing to this is if I teach leaders to improve how they lead, I teach that I, I help the team members not have to deal with that. Right. So I, so had right. the management that I worked under who put me through this hell, had they known had this nice methodology framework to follow, I, it wouldn't have happened. And I wouldn't, I might not have quit, but I certainly wouldn't have been under so much stress during the time and, and just miserable. Yeah. And so this is caused by poor leadership right. and, and this causes wrecks. Absolutely. And then life outside the walls. So this is about creating a culture that people want to be a part of again, applicable in organizations as well as family units, because a family is a culture. You're making a culture inside your home, whether it's intentional yeah. or not. So what are some of the ways that you encourage people to, to build that culture, even outside of the business part of work or even family? Yeah. So one of my favorite ways is to involve your team or department or family with a philanthropy of philanthropic, uh, you know, uh, ways to support your community. So for example, I've worked for companies and, and, uh, recommended doing things like meals on wheels, um, or, uh, school backpack programs for needy, needy families where, um, and these programs exist in every city. You just have to Google like school backpack programs. You'll find the organization United Way is one that does this a lot where you can bring your team together, your company buys the, the content for these backpacks. Um, and, but it's your team members who work together to fill the backpacks and to deliver those backpacks. It's yes, it's great PR for the company. Mm. Absolutely. But it also feels really good to do nice things. And by feeling good, it helps you enjoy your work. It also gets your team members, um, offline, quote unquote, but like away from work for a little bit to do something different. And when it's meals on wheels, for example, you're driving around with a team member. Um, you get to know them. Um, even organizing, sending your team members to conferences mm -hmm. is a big one. Um, some of the best experiences I've had are at conferences, both on stage as a speaker, but also off stage, just in the hallways where the magic happens, where you meet new people and these relationships grow. And yeah. this is, uh, was the impetus of my book, New Business Networking, um, all about and networking nicely and how to how to network effectively at conferences and after conferences, which is important, or trade shows and things like that. Um, 
So yeah, so these are all just different ways. I have a whole bunch of ways to do this. And when I'm hired to work with leaders and teams, um, based on their, based on what they have available, um, I come up with some pretty creative ways to help support your community. It doesn't even necessarily have to be your specific community too. It can be international communities. I'm a big fan of Kiva.org, which is a microloaning service where you can, uh, you can put some money into an account and then that money gets distributed to entrepreneurs around the world who need those funds and the department or the, the team members who you give this uh, credit to basically can choose who the entrepreneurs are they want to support. Or, or so if you want to support like an arts program, uh, maybe you specifically want to support um, uh, women in the Ukraine, for example, women entrepreneurs in the Ukraine, you mm. could do that by finding, by, by drilling down and finding women uh, business or women led businesses in the Ukraine um, as an example of that. So there's a lot of different ways and you can then uh, donate that or not donate. That's the key thing about Kiva that I love is, and I don't work for Kiva, by the way, uh, is you're loaning the money. And so these are micro loans. And what happens over time is the, these funds get mm. paid back. And so you get an alert and I've been doing this for many years. Huh. My account has several hundred dollars in it. And every once in a while, I'll get an email from Kiva saying, Hey, your credit's back. And I can then redistribute. I could ex I could take the money out, but that's kind of a jerk move. So instead, I just send it back out and loan it to someone else. <laughs> and so the money that you keep putting in keeps continuing. Cool. Yeah, it's a great, a great group, a great organization. So, uh, but that's another way that you can bring your team together to support people outside the walls of your organization. The other side to all this is, is, you know, yeah. when teams are working uh, in a hybrid model or fully distributed, you know, remotely, mm -hmm. um, these are ways to bring your team members together as well. So, which is also really important, especially these days when more organizations are working remote. Yeah, that was my next question. I mean, how do you really bring them together when people are kind of getting sick of Zoom, mm -hmm. kind of wanting to be have that in-person experience again, but maybe it's not financially viable to fly people in yeah. a couple of times a year all to be in one space? I mean, what are the ways that you really engage and create a culture in a remote environment? Yeah, so a couple points to that. I mean, first... Um, People are, uh, I had a guest say this on my podcast, on the nice podcast, they said, uh, and I loved it. It was something to the effect of, uh, people aren't sick of, pe people aren't bored of Zoom calls. They're bored of boring Zoom calls. Um, so you can still do that. And this is something that, so I deliver some of the training and presentations that I do in workshops. I do some of these virtually, um, you know, I've, how to how to shift things and uh, with with COVID, of course. But I, I was already doing some virtual training beforehand, anyway. Um, so I have ways to to deliver this to bring teams together. Um, but to your point about bringing your team together, I I am a big believer that your team has to come together at least once a year physically. Um, 
And I'm a believer in this mm. uh, for the same reason getting to relationships, right? And romantic relationships is long distance relationships won't work long term unless you see each other at some point. They'll just mm -hmm. fizzle out because come on. <laughs> they just sometimes long distance right. relationships are necessary for a period of time, but again, they can't just exist remotely forever. And I believe that humans need humans. We need touch, um, not in a call the HR uh, department touch, but like a hug and a high five, um, things like that. Uh, people need people. And so this is why I do a lot of workshops and speaking at company retreats or offsites um, as something different, something fun, bringing people together, but doing it in a way that, you know, when they are all together physically. And that's truly what I prefer to do because it's more memorable um, when you're in person. It, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it just, yeah. it's just important. And the other thing too with this is you build relationships and foster friendships at work when you come together. You get to know each other. There's that, you know, the old cliche at the water cooler or the coffee, you know, around the coffee pot where, or the hallway conversations, this kind of serendipity that takes place that just doesn't take place in a pre-scheduled 30 minute Zoom call. Um, you know, you need time to get to know yeah. one another, build relationships. And this helps retain talent ultimately because people are less likely to quit if they have friends at work. Um, because, I mean, put yourself in the shoes of someone that like, if you're working for a fully remote company and you never see each other and you don't really know the people that work that well because you're working virtually, as soon as another company flashes a higher paycheck and better benefits, um, you don't have any affinity to the company. So you're probably going to jump ship and this can affect uh turnover and getting yeah. back to my calculation. I call it the great resignation calculation, but again, you can punch in the numbers and see for yourself uh, over on the, that future for. Yeah, absolutely. And even as I hear you say that people are less likely to quit when they have friends at work it's true of relationships. You're less likely to quit any relationship when that person is your friend. And that's, yeah. you know, even for parents thinking about, are you know, is my child still going to want to be around me even after they graduate college and move out? Like, will we still continue to have a relationship? Well, yeah, if you establish a friendship with them. And that's going to look different with a parent and a child and the friendship, you know, between a husband and a wife or the friends between friends or yeah. the friends between the people you work with. But it's a true statement in all of those situations. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it fosters great relationships and you like one another, you trust one another. Mm -hmm. And these things are, you know, fundamental in any relationship, um, you know, being liking each other, yeah. trust, things like that. So yeah. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, in the last couple of minutes we have talk about a communication strategy. So what is a communication strategy and what are the things that people should consider when they're trying to develop one? Yeah. Good question. It depends on what problems you're trying to address in the first place. So oftentimes for me, I start engagements with 
an anonymous employee survey to to get a feel for what the problems are internally. And then in addition to that, obviously with the leaders ahead of time, I find out what what where the problems are in their minds and what they're seeing as as pain points and the reason why they've engaged with me in the first place. Um, oftentimes the problems may not match up or they, you know, from what the employees perspectives are versus what the leadership uh, teams uh, problems are. Um, and so that's, you know, developing a strategy based on that outcome and, and using this framework, this nice method framework. Um, you know, I have resources and tools in each area to be able to access to, to help with that. Um, as far as, you know, relationships go like personal relationships, um, listening, uh, as we talked about a little bit, um, is, is a, an especially important thing. And, um, I, in, in my training, I go through an active listening acronym, um, for the word listen, um, which I know I don't really have time to get into now, but, but the, the word listen is an acronym and each letter stands for something involved in improving the way you, you listen to one another, um, and becoming a better active listener. Um, but I will point out something interesting too, which is, uh, the word listen, uh, one of the best ways to listen, first of all, is to, is to be quiet. Right. Um, and so the word silent is the word listen. It's an, it's, uh, uh, it's, it freaks people out when they look at it. I have a little animation I have for it in my presentations, but literally the words listen are the same letters or the letters for listen are the same letters for silent. So it's like it was trying to tell us the whole time <laughs> to be quiet and listen. So that means not both talking at the same time over one another in any sort of relationship, because that's not going to, no one's going to win there because nobody's listening. Um, so, uh, looking at that, uh, uh, and, and, and that anagram and, and considering the fact that silent is right there in the word, uh, is a good jumping off point to improving how you listen. Yeah, that's good. And then what are some tips for when we're on the receiving end? of the, um, well, the receiving end would be the listening, but when we're the communicator, let me say it this way. Earlier you said there needs to be an action involved. Yeah. So if we want to be good listeners, but also good communicators, what are some of the things we need to think of in terms of, you know, I need to do an action based on what I'm hearing. What does that look like? So the letter T and listen, I'll give you one. Uh, <laughs> the letter T and listen uh, stands for test your understanding, test the material, test your, that you've comprehended the information. And so in order to do this, you um, start with, so what you're saying is. So uh, an example of this would be like, let's say somebody said, hey, Dave, I need this box. I don't know, this pen uh, uh, in four pieces sent to our New York office and it needs to arrive by 9 a.m. Monday morning. So what you're saying is, so I would say, so what you're saying is this pen needs to be in four pieces in New York in our office, 9 a.m. Monday morning. Is that what you're saying? So what you're saying is, is that what you're saying? And what happens here is the person 
that is receiving or the person that has given you this information or this question or this, this, whatever, this task now feels heard. They feel confident in you. They feel like, okay, you've repeated the information. So I didn't say in our San Francisco office by 10 a.m. Monday morning, but if I had, you would have said, no, 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 New York, 9 a.m. Oh, right. Sorry. So you're clearly, you're clearing up any miscommunication right there. So what you're saying is, and then is that what you're saying allows the person to respond to let, to let you know that yes, that is what, that's the information that's correct and be on your merry way and you can go and do the thing. So what you're saying is, is so important because you make sure that you understood the problem or that understood whatever that, that feedback was. So same thing with my wife and I, right? So if we need to be at the school uh, Friday after school at three 30 for something. So what you're saying is we need to be at the school three 30 on Friday. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. Um, the other thing that's interesting this, and I believe it's called the productive effect, uh, psychologically, and I'm not a neuroscientist or anything like that, but my understanding with this too, is that your brain perks up when you repeat information, when you say it out loud, your brain's like, Oh, that's, this is probably important. I should think I should remember this and it helps you retain the information. So, you know, in an office setting, I always say like, and this has happened to me, it happens to everybody where you're walking from your office to get the coffee and on your way, somebody on your way back, somebody stops you and says, Hey, Dave, I need this, this, and this. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. And then you go back to, you sit down at your computer and you take a sip of your coffee and then you're like, uh, what, what did they say? (laughs) And you've completely forgotten what they said. Yeah. So uh, and it happens. So just by repeating that information, it's the same in mm-hmm. networking too. Like, and a lot, you know, I, I write and talk a lot about networking effectively and doing it the right way and nicely. Um, but part of networking, when you meet somebody in an event, is repeating their name several times to help you remember their name. And it's the same thinking where if you repeat the person's name several times, it just helps your, by you verbally saying it out loud, it helps your brain think, okay, yep. This might be important. I should remember this. So repeating the, testing your understanding is, is very important. That's the T in that lesson uh, acronym. Yes, absolutely. You have a lot of resources. I would love to have you tell our audience about where they can find you. We'll include all of the links to it in our website, but tell us more about your podcast, about your website, your books, all the things. Yeah. So, well, the, if you go to nicemethod.us and use that code, you'll get the book for free. Um, so you can do that. I think that will be up for maybe a couple of weeks. Um, uh, what else? Well, if you Google Dave Delaney, you can find all my speaking information, but uh, futureforth.com is my business. Dave Delaney speaks.com is where I speak. Um, but you can find the link from futureforth. So I encourage you to go to futureforth.com. And if you spell forth the wrong way, Luckily, I bought that domain too. So you'll find the right way. <laughs> if they spelled F-O-U-R-T-H instead of F-O-R-T-H. Yeah, that's it was good, just, I mean, that was smart. Yeah. It was, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, it was this revelation I had when I, you know, because when you start a business, you, you know, you have to make sure if the domain's available, you know, that's, that may be a game changer right there. And I thought yeah. Future Forth because it worked so well. Right. And um, 
And then I realized like, oh, wait, what if people spell fourth F-O-U-R-T-H? Um, and so yeah. I checked and I bought and I was like, ah, the domain's available. Yes. So I bought the domain and redirected it to a funny page on my site to remind you that y- you found the right place. You just found it the wrong way. <laughs> and I, I'm a sucker for an Easter egg, too. That's I, awesome. love, I, love, well, I Dave, love little surprises. I know. Now it's making me want to go to future fourth. Then is <laughs> F-O-U-R-T-H. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Yep, you found us the wrong way. Yep. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Dave, I've enjoyed speaking with you so much. Been a great conversation. A lot of really applicable takeaways, even from the business world into relationships. And I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Kimberly. Yeah, it's been fun. So here are the key takeaways from today's podcast. The methodology that he used, the framework that we got into was to hear other people avoid the wrecks and life outside the walls. Here's what I love about those, especially in terms of relationship. Hear other people, ask for feedback. And when people share ideas with you, give ideas with you, whether it's your kids, whether it's your significant other, whoever it is, lead with empathy and acceptance. And one way that Dave gave us as a tool to put in our toolbox of how to do that is to use the words nice and. Hey, that's a great idea. Nice idea. Or maybe it's a terrible idea and you don't want to lie. Then you could simply say nice and, and then ask another curious question. I relate this back to the conversation I had with Dr. John Gottman several episodes ago, which we'll link to the show notes as well. Amazing conversation where he talked about the best thing that you can do in a relationship is be curious, continue to be curious about the other person. So in that same vein, when you are curious about why is this your idea? Why is this important to you? Why do you want to do that? Even if you don't move forward with that exact thing, it can actually be an opportunity to bring you together Instead of if you were to just tear their idea apart or say, what a stupid idea, that's only going to rip you apart. So focus on the connecting conversations and then avoiding the wrecks. People don't quit jobs. They quit bad managers. People don't quit relationships. They quit the people in the relationships. No one wants to quit a marriage. No one wants to quit a friendship. We want friends. We want to be married. We want our children to love us. People quit bad people, people that they don't get along with, people who they feel like don't care about them, people who aren't listening to them. That's what people quit. They quit the way they feel in a relationship. That's what they want to get away from. So what can you do to be the kind of person that people don't want to quit, that they want to hire? They want to be a part of that. They want to stay a part of that. They want to be retained in that relationship. But it has to do with what you do, not just what they do. And then this final one, life outside the walls. I love the idea of philanthropy as a way to bring the family together or bring friends together or bring a community together. How can you serve other people in a way that, first of all, gets you outside of your own head and your own needs and focused on others, but also as a way to bond a group of people together? Absolutely mind-blowing at how effective this can be. I can think to multiple times I've gone on mission trips or served with someone and just the way that it bonds a group of people and the way that it helps others, a lot of great things happening there. 
Those are my key takeaways from today's episode. I would love to hear yours. Be sure to leave a five-star review of this podcast on Apple and on Spotify. If it's something that you love hearing, that is the best way to help support this show and help it to grow even more. Share it with a friend. That's another great way that you can support me and support this podcast and its growth as well. Until next time, stay strong.